This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore started the shortened trading week with gains on Tuesday, October 25th, in tandem with global market rallies. The Straits Times Index rose nearly 1% to 2,998.99 points at the open. On Tuesday, Department of Statistics Consumer Price Index data showed Singapore's core inflation rose further to 5.3% in September, but headline inflation held steady at 7.5%, both in line with economists' expectations. At the midweek, the SDI advanced 0.8% to close at 3,008.38 points as traders took advantage of market hopes of less aggressive monetary tightening by the Federal Reserve. It was also reported on Wednesday, October 26, that Singapore's factory output grew 0.9% year-on-year in September, accelerating from the previous month's revised 0.4% rate, according to data from Singapore Economic Development Board. The euro climbed back above parity against the US dollar for the first time in a month after poor US economic data also saw the greenback tumble. On Thursday, October 27, Singapore stocks opened lower in line with Wall Street's overnight decline to snap a three-day winning streak. The SDI shed 0.3% to 2,999.13 points just after the open. European stock markets also fell with traders reacting to big company earnings and looking ahead to an expected interest rate hike from the European Central Bank. And gold prices rose as the US dollar and treasury yields fell on mounting expectations of slower monetary policy tightening by the Federal Reserve later in the year. It's Friday, October 28th, Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Singapore stocks opened stronger in early trade today after a mixed showing in global markets. The Straits Times Index was up 0.6% to 3,033.57 points shortly after the open. Here's Candice Lee, research analyst at SGX Securities with her wrap of the week. In the week to date, SDI gained 1.5% in price returns. It maintained as one of the most resilient indices globally in the year to date, with a price decline of 3.5% against the 25% decline for FTSE APEC index. Less hawkish expectations for US REITs this year have seen a rebound in the global REIT sector, with the FTSE IPRANA REIT developed index gaining 3.9% this week. Similarly, Singapore's IHS REIT index gained 5.9% in the week to date as well, led by office REITs, diversified REITs and industrial REITs, which gained average gains of 6.9%, 4.9% and 4.6% respectively. Across the entire Singapore market, outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least 500 million Singapore dollars were also dominated by S REITs. These were Manulife US REIT, Keppel DC REIT, IFAS Corporation, Keppel Pacific Oak US REIT, and Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust. On the other hand, underperformers for the week were Hong Kong Land, Riverstone, and Mandarin Oriental. Looking at institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 26 October, we observed net institutional fund outflows of 61 million Sing dollars. By sector, the highest outflows were seen across REITs at 39 million, followed by telcos at 30 million, and real estate, excluding REITs, at 16 million. 
On the other hand, consumer cyclicals, consumer non-cyclicals and industrials received the most net institutional inflows, totaling $29 million. Largest inflows were seen in OCBC, Yangzijiang Shipbuilding and Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust, while the largest outflows were seen across UOB, Singtel and SETS. Journalist Uma Devi has further insights from the Business Times. The last trading week of October has seen investors keep a close watch on the usual suspects like inflation levels and interest rates. But corporate earnings are also coming in, and this has added another layer of uncertainty in the markets as traders scour markets for buying opportunities. Things have been rocky on Wall Street as disappointing earnings reports from a number of tech giants raise concerns about the market's broader outlook. This week, the top performer for the region was the Australian market, which logged a gain of 3.5% over the past five days. On Wednesday, it was reported that the country's annual consumer price index reached the highest level since December 1990, which sounded warnings for rate hikes. Korea was second on the list, booking a gain of 3.1%. Market watchers attributed this largely to South Korea's better-than-expected third-quarter GDP figures. However, this still marked the slowest growth in a year on a quarter-to-quarter basis. The Straits Times Index fell 0.3% over the five-day period, as macroeconomic data fueled investors' fears. The city-state's core inflation was up further in September to 5.3%, edging towards a 14-year high. Authorities have warned that the figure is expected to stay elevated before slowing in the second half of 2023. This week also saw a key leadership change in the UK, with Rishi Sunak being elected Prime Minister succeeding Liz Truss. The new Prime Minister, however, faces many challenges in leading the nation out of the economic doldrums. On the commodities front, the week has been riddled with volatility. Crude oil prices, which is tied closely to the performance of the US dollar, climbed on Thursday on supply concerns and a weaker dollar. Meanwhile, gold has had a choppy week, with analysts saying the outlook for the precious yellow metal remains weak due to the uncertain outlook for inflation and interest rates. Looking ahead this week, all eyes are on the upcoming November Federal Open Market Committee meeting. Although observers largely expect a hike of 75 basis points, there is now pressure on Fed Chair Jerome Powell to address mounting economic concerns and the impact interest rate hikes could have on employment. For Southeast Asia, governments may increasingly find themselves between a rock and a hard place as they grapple with the challenges of macro-stability risks posed by brutal Fed rate hikes and the unrelenting US dollar strength. These factors, among others, are adding to concerns of a global recession against significant uncertainty. Still to come, we take a closer look at more macroeconomic and company-focused news and drivers with Candice Lee and Uma Devi. Senior correspondent Ben Paul shares his analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Mark to Market every second Monday of the month with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, Singapore's core inflation and consumer price index data came out this week. The numbers released weren't shocking and did pretty much come in at analyst estimates. Give us the information and other notable news for investors to consider for the week. Singapore core inflation rose further to 5.3% in September. 
compared to 5.1% in August. This was driven by larger price increases across food, services and retail segments. Headline inflation held steady at 7.5% as higher core and accommodation inflation were offset by lower private transport inflation. Both prints were in line with economists' expectations. The Monetary Authority of Singapore and the Ministry of Trade and Industry have maintained 2022 full-year expectations for headline inflation at 6% and core inflation at 4%, while 2023 headline inflation is projected to average between 55 to 6.5%. Singapore factory output grew 0.9% year-on-year in September, up from the revised 0.4% growth in August, but below Bloomberg poll estimates of 1.2%. By clusters, the chemicals and biomedical manufacturing clusters saw contractions along with key electronics clusters shrinking for a third consecutive month. On the positive side, Transport engineering cluster recorded the highest year-on-year growth since December 2018, while general manufacturing recovered to above pre-COVID levels. Analysts have downgraded GDP growth estimates for the quarter on weaker-than-expected industrial production prints, but generally remained positive on full-year GDP growth, supported by buoyant services sector and international travel recovery. For the first nine months of the year, Singapore's factory output expanded 4% following a 13% surge in 2021 and a 7% resilient growth in 2020. Industrial production is driven by six key clusters, with electronics contributing the most to our overall factory output, but transport engineering contributes the least of the six clusters. However, in terms of growth, transport engineering has expanded 22% over the first nine months of 2022 and has been a comparatively strong part of Singapore's stock market in the year to date, with Samcorp Marine share price gaining from 8.2 Singapore cents to 12.2 cents, while Yangtzejiang Shipbuilding has been the STI's strongest performer so far this year. MAS, in its half-yearly macroeconomic review, kept its outlook for 2022 full-year GDP growth unchanged at 3-4%, to with broad-based contributions from the trade-related, domestic-oriented, travel-related and modern services clusters. However, it noted that Singapore's economic growth is expected to slow to a place that is below trend next year, weighed down by key external-facing sectors such as manufacturing and financial services. It expects inflation to remain high next year due to imported inflation likely remaining significant across a range of goods and services but moderation in global growth and tightening financial conditions will have some impact on labour demand, primarily in the external-oriented manufacturing and modern services sector. According to the Singapore Asset Management Survey 2021, released by the MAS, Singapore's asset management industry grew 16% year-on-year in 2021, reaching US$4 trillion. This was led by alternatives growth. MAS noted that alternative AUM expanded 30% year-on-year to reach 0.9 trillion US dollars. 78% of AUM originated from outside Singapore and 90% of total AUM was invested into assets outside Singapore. Managed assets with environmental, social and corporate governance overlay grew by 77% year-on-year to make up a 58% share of total AUM. However, MS cautioned in the report that AUM growth in 2022 is expected to moderate amid geopolitical and macroeconomic risks. Candice, let's turn to company-focused information and earnings reports. Give us some highlights from the week. 
SIA will be redeeming 3.86 billion Sing dollars of its 10-year mandatory convertible bonds issued in June 2020 at a redemption rate of 110.408% of the principal amount. SIA noted that the redemption will be funded by existing cash reserves which have risen in line with the strong recovery in the demand for passenger air travel. It also said that it will look to maintain a balance between distribution to shareholders and retain earnings for capital replacement and other funding needs. Yangzi Jiang Shipbuilding clinched its first order from a European customer for 275,000 cubic meter liquefied natural gas carriers. These vessels will be Yangzi Jiang's first GTT Mark III LNG carrier order after obtaining the GTT license in early September. Recognizing the increased demand and industry focus on green shipping as well as tight supply for LNG carriers, Yangzi Jiang plans to extend its foothold in this sector. Semcorp Industries announced on Tuesday that it has entered strategic partnerships with the Japanese government and various corporations to progress hydrogen and other decarbonization initiatives. The hydrogen supply chain will be a prominent focus across all partnerships. It noted that these partnerships are aligned with Semcorp's brown to green transformation and will enable the group to play a pivotal role in the decarbonization of various industries, including power. Semcorp believes that these partnerships will also underpin the Singapore government's ambitions for low-carbon hydrogen to potentially support up to 50% of its power needs by 2050. Semcorp Industries also announced that as of quarter ending 30th September, Its gross solar capacity stands at 535 megawatt peak in Singapore, following the award of the Solar Nova 7 project to accelerate the deployment of solar photovoltaic systems in Singapore, led by the Housing and Development Board and the Singapore Economic Development Board. Semcorp's portfolio of rooftop, floating, and ground-mounted PV systems will contribute to more than a third of Singapore's 2025 target of 1.5 gigawatt peak. Capitaland Investment and APG Investments Asia entered into a joint venture to establish an Asia-focused self-storage platform. APG and CLI have committed an initial equity investment of 570 million Sing dollars, with an option to increase their investment up to 1.14 billion Sing dollars in the proportion of 90 to 10 to fund the acquisition of Extra Space Asia and its expansion needs. On the earnings front, Mapletree Logistics Trust announced 3.5% year-on-year growth in distribution per unit for its second quarter this financial year, driven by contributions from recent accretive acquisitions, which saw net property income increasing by 10.8%. It noted that overall leasing demand in the REITs markets has remained resilient, supporting stable occupancy at 96.4%, while recording positive rental reversion of 3.5%. The manager has placed continued emphasis on proactive capital management given that the majority of the REIT's revenue comes from foreign markets. To mitigate the impact of weakening regional currencies, it has hedged 72% of its income stream for the next 12 months in Singapore dollars. Mapletree Industrial Trust has reported 3.2% year-on-year dip in distribution per unit for second quarter due to higher costs dampening top-line growth. The manager announced plans for a progressive release of tax-exempt income over the next three quarters, amounting to 6.6 million Singapore dollars. This is relating to distributions declared by joint ventures, which were withheld during the pandemic in 2020. Overall portfolio occupancy of the trust has improved to 95.6%, attributed to strength in its Singapore portfolio, which recorded positive rental reversion. 
Ames APEC REIT reported a 28.2% year-on-year increase in net property income for the first half of FY23. Distribution per unit dipped 1.1%, but would have gone up by 0.9% if the REIT's distribution of a one-off reversal of rental relief provision last year was excluded. Portfolio occupancy remained high at 97.5%, while positive rental reversions of 8.1% was recorded for the reporting period particularly driven by logistics and warehouse segment amid a tight supply of good quality buildings. Fraser's Centerpoint Trust announced its full-year results for FY22. Net property income increased 4.9% year-on-year, which in turn pushed distribution per unit for FY22 up by 1.2%. This was attributable to overall improvements in operating performance. Shopper traffic and tenant sales in FY22 rose 12.4% and 11.3% year-on-year respectively. Due to rising rates, the manager expects the average cost of borrowing for the trust to rise above 3% in FY23 from 2.5% currently. However, it noted that it has hedged 71% of its borrowings on fixed interest rates to mitigate the risk of interest rate rise. IFAS Corporation reported a net profit of 2.09 million Singapore dollars in third quarter FY22 after a loss-making second quarter. It reported a 7.6% year-on-year decline in assets under administration as a result of sharp declines in most equity and bond markets, as well as the group's decision to exit the onshore platform service business in India. It noted that despite challenging market conditions impacting the asset values of investment products and affecting investor sentiments, net inflows of client assets remained healthy in 2022, with positive net inflow of $599 million during the quarter. UOB, which announced its third quarter business update this morning, saw its quarterly net profit rise 34% year-on-year to $1.4 billion, driven by strong net interest income growth of 39% and higher customer-related treasury income. On the other hand, net fees and commission income declined 10%, largely due to lower wealth and fund management fees. Uma, what are we looking at for the week ahead? The remaining two of the trio of lenders, DBS and OCBC, will announce their financial results in the coming days, and analysts believe the banking stocks are set to deliver solid earnings in the wake of interest rate hikes. For macroeconomic data, Singapore will release its Purchasing Managers Index data on Wednesday. This index is typically viewed as an early indicator of manufacturing activity. This has been Market Focus from The Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Candice Lee, Research Analyst at SGX Securities and Uma Devi, Journalist with The Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.